small groups a little bit. There's been some people that's kind of hesitant. I don't know, Pastor, if I really want to do that. I don't know if I want to join that. I'm not really sure. It's okay. I'm going to take you to a small group today. Can we have a small group today here on the platform? Is that okay? Would anybody like to join my small group today? Any, nobody wants to, man, y'all really know how to make your pastor feel loved today. Nobody wants to join. Derek, will you and Rachel join? Gavin, Paige, will y'all join my small group today? Will y'all join me? Thank you. Come on up. I appreciate them. Come on. I got donuts, y'all. If you didn't get donuts out front, I got, I got coffee too. Do you want some coffee? That's why you volunteered. I got some coffee and I got, I don't have any sugar. I got some cream here. You, you want some coffee? Oh, I stepped on those. You probably want to wipe those off. But y'all want coffee? You want some coffee? It's, it's, well, I don't know if it's good or not. I made it before church. Non-coffee makers make coffee? I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Um, y'all want coffee? That's, that's good? Okay. All right. Y'all want cream? Or y'all have black coffee? You, you like a cream? You want a cream? All right. You want some sugar? You get that from your wives. I ain't got sugar for you today. All right. Yeah. Keep it light, ladies. It's small group, y'all. Come on. You can stir? Yeah, that's a good thing. You don't want to use your finger. There you go, Derek. There's a stir for you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Let's talk small groups, y'all. How are you doing? That's awesome. I'm fantastic. I'm so good. I'm so good. Hey, here's what I want everybody to do right now. Everybody in this room, pull out your cell phone. I'm talking to everybody in the room, not just at the table. Pull out your cell phone. This is the one. Oh, you're good. If you don't got it, it's fine. This is the one time pastor's going to let you pull your phone out in church and not yell at you for it. I'm not yelling either. I want you to just go to your contacts, scroll through, and stop somewhere on somebody. And if they don't go to this church, if they don't go to any church or anything, I want you to invite them to a small group. All right? Sometime this week, I want you to invite them to a small group. Okay? Who'd you get? You haven't started yet. All right. Well, here, I'm going to throw one. You know, Grampy, uh, Brother Helmuth, I got I to gotta be careful. I'm talking to family. Grampy, you know, Grampy says we should have dinner with a sinner. So I'm going to have dinner with a sinner this week, and I'm going to stop on a name here, and I'm going to call that person. I'm going to see. Let's see if he answers. And I'm going to invite him to small group and have dinner. Mike. He's not answering. Well, if you see your brother Eric this week, tell him I'm inviting him to small group. I'm just kidding. Eric and Dom had their baby this week, y'all. They had their baby this week. Beck, Beckham Avery, right? Beckham Avery. And they didn't want my name that I gave them. Eleazar, Eliza, Elohim, Charles. Those are all good biblical names. They didn't take any of those. Well, small group. Let's talk about small groups and what small groups are. I should have put my notes up here before, but you know what? It's small group. We ain't got anywhere to go. We ain't got nowhere to go. Small groups are, we ain't got football till three. That's true. And I got my iPad. We can throw it right up. We can throw it up. Small groups are, are exciting. And I want to tell you why. Small groups are biblical. Did you know that Jesus had a small group? Did you know that? Jesus had a small I'm not kidding. Jesus had a small group. Jesus had 12 people in his small group. Who, who was it, Gavin? Yeah, he had 12 people. Jesus had disciples. That was his small group. From the beginning of time, God created us to be in community with one another. 
He created us to be together. In Genesis chapter 2, he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, we have taken that scripture a lot of times, and we have put that into a wedding ceremony, and we talk about Eve and how God created Eve so that man would not be alone. But really, that verse is kind of used out of context, because if we look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it goes on to say that God created all of the animals that Adam would then name, but then it wasn't enough. He had to create another human so that Adam would have someone to talk to. Because we all know people who talk to themselves, well, have intelligent conversations. And so, oh, Paige talks to herself all the time, yeah. Well, if you'd open your ears, Gavin, and listen, she wouldn't talk to herself. No, I'm just kidding. This isn't small group. We're just playing. But this passage is used for marriage, but it speaks to our fundamental need for, for connection with others and with others in the human community. And what's striking about this statement is that God makes it before the fall of man. God made this statement before Eve went and took the fruit of the tree. Do you know what the fruit was? What was it, what was it Rachel? You, you, you said it. An apple. It's, we always think it's an apple. That's what's there. It's not an apple. Uh, it was a fruit. It may have been an apple. It may have been a pear. It may have been a peach. It may have been. Yes, Brother Robert, water would be great. Thank you so much. Do you all want water too? Welcome to small group. Brother Robert just shows up from small group from time to time and delivers water. He's amazing. Uh, and so what's striking about this is that God makes this statement that we need companionship before even Adam sinned in the garden. And so there's no sin yet. There's no disobedience. Thank you, Brother Robert. Mine's right there. Uh, will you hand me mine right there? Thank you, Brother Robert. You're a gem. You're wonderful. Got to have more than coffee. That is true. You got to have more than coffee. And I'm going to pour it in my mug, though, so it looks like I'm drinking coffee. How's that? In my Apostolic Lighthouse 25th anniversary commemorative cup, we found this in storage. I hope it's clean. You have, uh, let me see what cup you have. Oh, that's Saginaw Valley's cup. They used to be white, <laughs> now they're yellow. Yeah. See, this is just small group, y'all. It's not that scary, is it? It's just having fun together. God declares that man is alone and it's not good and, and somebody made this statement I don't know who it was I wish I knew so I could give it give it credit but he said community or she said community is deeply grounded in the nature of God it flows from who God is community because God is community he creates community it is his gift of himself to humans so the making of community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians it is compelling and irrevocable necessity a binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. And so when Jesus' ministry began, he called the 12 disciples, the primary relational and ministry community. Now, Jesus was the most powerful man who ever walked on the face of the earth. Jesus was, Jesus was the man. And, and, and if, he was, if he was on social media, he'd be the first to be verified. He'd have that little blue check mark next to all of his stuff because he was something else. And I don't think that he needed the disciples to complete his ministry. He could have done this. He could have found ways. But he said, we need community. He needed community. He knew these men needed a community. And so Jesus chose to love them. He chose to teach them. He chose to pour himself into relationships with them. And so thereby, he created the very first small group with the 12 disciples. And so the apostles, the disciples, they continued Jesus' model after Jesus died, ministry didn't stop for them. 
it continued on. And so the disciples went and they formed a community of believers who loved God and loved one another. If you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God. That is a very important thing that we all need to learn. Is that if we say we love God, we need to love our neighbors. You don't always got to like them, but you know, we should love them. It's like family. You don't always like your family, but you love them, right? Family is family. Well, this is the family of God. We are called to love one another because God loved us. And so despite incredible persecution against all, all odds, this ragtag, motley crew, this group of Jesus followers launched small communities all throughout their, their, their walk and their, and their teaching. And these were the churches that proclaimed the gospel and changed the world forever. And so we look at the early church, we can get a picture of small communities. The people who followed Jesus together. When we go to the book of Acts, now our sign out front says apostolic lighthouse. Many, say, many people say, well, what is apostolic? Apostolic is the apostles' doctrine. That's what we believe. It's from the book of Acts. We are Pentecostal in experience. And Pentecostal is nothing to be scared of. Many people are scared of the word Pentecostal. But Pentecostal, when you break it down, it simply just means 50 days. And that's from Easter to Pentecost Sunday when the Spirit of God poured out on the, one, on the upper room. And so the book of Acts gives us this great picture uh, of the apostles' doctrine, of what they taught, and it's what Jesus taught. We can go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40. And uh, Brother Aaron, if you have it, I'd like for you to put it up on the screen uh, here in our small group. We've got big screen TVs here at our small group, you know. Acts chapter 2 and, and verse 40 says, in many words he testified. Now this is Peter. Peter had just finished preaching one of the greatest messages of salvation of all time. You go back two verses to 238. That's when Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promises unto you, unto your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Now in verse 40... It goes on to say that with many other words, Peter testified and exhorted these words saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And so then all those that were there, they gladly received this word. They were baptized. And that day, now this is amazing. Peter was preaching to roughly around, uh, uh, at, at the beginning of the book of Acts, there's 120 that's already connected to the church. But in this same day that Peter preached, Around 3,000 souls were added to the church in that one day after Peter preached. That's pretty incredible. That's a man that has some authority in his life to say a few words and people say, hey, that's enough for me to change my mind and turn from what I've been doing and turn to what I should be doing. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread. See, it's biblical for us to go out to eat together. It's biblical for us to, to share meals together. And, and for me to buy? <laughs> you got it. Let's go. Wahoos, we're on our way. Let's go. They continued steadfastly in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had needed. Now, it's not saying that Peter told them all, look, you need to go sell everything you've got because this is what it takes. But what Peter was saying is, look, there's people that have needs. 
We need to do everything we can to reach this community, even if that means selling some possessions, selling some goods, and, 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 and sharing them with people who have needs. Continuing daily with one accord in the temple, that was in the church, but then breaking bread from house to house. Here's the small groups. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So small groups were right there in the book of Acts. It started in the book of Acts. And so it is biblical. It's God-ordained for us to be able to do small groups. And these believers engaged in life together through teaching, through fellowship, through communion, through prayer, through miracles, through radical generosity and corporate worship. They spent time together eating and learning and celebrating, proclaiming the good news and supporting each other. And in addition, the 50 plus, there's, there's 50 more one another verses in the New Testament. It talks about this type of community. It was a place where people loved. It's a place where people forgive, where they serve. They bear one another's burdens. They're encouraged. They, they, they pray together. They're equipped. They spoke truth and love. They confessed their sins to one another. They treated each other as precious members of the body. Now, they didn't get together and talk about the body. Because that's not okay. A lot of times, people, it's like, hey, let's, let's get together. And what happens is they get together and then they talk about everything that's going on in the church. That's not edifying to the soul. They want to talk about all the problems. They want to talk about, can you believe pastor didn't wear a suit on Sunday? Can you believe that, that, that we're singing all these contemporary songs and not one hymnal? Can you believe? That is not edifying to the body of Christ. Small groups are not meant to be the gossip groups. It's not meant to be the gossip groups. These, these small groups are meant to come together to lift up the body of Christ. Read the book of Acts. This is the greatest model of unlimited, spontaneous expansion of a local congregation. And that's some big words I just used there all together. So let me break it down. This was the greatest growth that the church ever seen was in the book of Acts. The church of Jerusalem gives the greatest model on the explosive growth of church. And, and, and let me stop for a minute and say this. Growth in the church is not necessarily more people coming and more chairs being filled. Some people have said, well, pastor, we haven't grown very much in the last few years. I believe that that is an inaccurate statement. I believe we have grown far, far. We have grown so much in the last few years in our hearts and what we have learned. You see, growing in the church is oftentimes compared to numbers and growing and, and, and building and getting bigger. But there's times that the church isn't ready for that because we haven't grown in here yet. And so we have to start to grow in here and we have to grow in here in order for us to grow in here. Because God's not going to send people to our church if we're not ready to receive them. We have to learn to love people. We have to learn to help people and support people. And so when we look here at the beginning of Acts chapter 1, there's 120 believers. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, the number of believers grows to 5,000. Most scholars believe that if you add the women and children, the church then was at least 15,000 strong at this point. By the time we get to Acts 21, we learn that there's tens of thousands of believers in the early church. 
Most scholars believe there was 50,000 to 100,000 people in just 25 years that the church grew. That's amazing. That is amazing. And so my first question when I saw these numbers was, well, where did they all go? What, what building did they build to hold all these people? Acts chapter 5 tells us, well, they spent time in the temple and they spent time in the home with one another. So they went from house to house. They never stopped teaching and telling the good news of Jesus the Messiah. They met in large groups for worship, like what we do today, what we do on Sundays. We meet together for worship. We meet in small groups for fellowship. There's a lot of times we have a lot of stuff going on on Sundays. It's, it's a free day for a lot of us, and so we want to do our groceries on Sundays. That's, that's our family. We usually do our grocery shopping Sunday afternoons, or, uh, or, or my wife. I should say it's not we, it's my wife. If, if I'm honest, my wife does the grocery shopping Sunday afternoons. I, I'm usually at home hanging out with the kids or something, because um, that's what I'm told I like to do. So that's what I do. Uh, y'all got it here. They didn't hear me out there. Sundays, we take a lot of time for ourselves because it's a free day, and we just give a little bit of time to God. But we need to be able to come together and worship together. Give our time to God on Sundays. Our fellowship can be done in our homes. Our fellowship can be done throughout the week. God calls us to love in not an abstract or a superficial way, but in a deep, face-to-face, life-on-life, transformative way. In our modern culture, small groups have been viewed as just a program or just a a fellowship ministry in the church where it's just we're going to stay connected. That's what we do, but it's more than that. It is ministry. The New Testament church, this was a way of life. It encompassed every area of their lives. The relationships with one another were critical to the pursuit of Jesus, their growth in Christ. I get excited when the four of you come into church every Sunday. I get excited when you, when you send us a text about anything, whatever it is. It's community. I'm excited when people come into the house of God. But I get even more excited when I see people out and about. How many of you go to the grocery store and you see somebody and you try to dip to another aisle before they see you? I'll be honest, I have. <laughs> I have done that. I have done that. But you know, there's times that... And it's more times than not. And and the only time I've ever done that is if I just, I was in a super hurry, didn't have time to talk, in and out. But I love running into people out in the community. I love seeing people. And and I love when, and this is going to sound really, I don't know how this will sound, I'm just going to say it. I love when we're invited over to people's homes. It just makes us feel loved. How does it make you feel when you're invited to someone's house? This, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? It makes you feel like someone cares about you. They do care about you. We care about you. Our church, our mission is to care for people. That's part of our mission is to care for people. And relationships with one another is so critical. It would be impossible to experience a biblical community apart from from spiritually significance without the intentional relationships with others. The thing about, about small groups, I believe, is that we're not just doing church together, we are the church together. We're not just having church together, we are the church together. And so they go by different names, small groups, um, care groups, discipleship groups, connect groups, life groups, grace groups, breakout groups. There was a a man many years ago, his name was Rick Warren, he pastors a huge church in in, uh, Arizona. 
And, and he, the way that he taught them, and I thought this was really cool, but it's really hard to explain to somebody if they don't know. He said, you know, we are the body of Christ. And in the body, you're a nurse, there's cells in your body, right? And he said, so as the body of Christ, we branch off and we created cell groups. Now, the first time I ever heard about cell groups, I said, I'm not going to prison just to go have church with somebody. I can go to my church to have church. If someone there needs church, I'll go. But I'm not going to go sit behind a cell. Cell groups in Battle Creek was different than cell groups in Arizona. But whatever we call them, small groups is what we're calling them here. The basic idea is the same. It's a gathering of people who are interested in spiritual growth and community growth together. This is why they're important. Small groups will foster a closer relationship. Small group atmosphere is ready-made for building friendships. People talk more in small groups. You're more comfortable to talk in a small group with a smaller group of people. In a small group, and our prayer group can, can witness to this, you're quicker to recognize needs in a smaller group. I could tell you I, I could be at church every Sunday and, and if we had church every night of the week, I could be here. But we got a lot of people that come here. We, we average right around 60 to 75 people on some Sundays. Some Sundays, 90 people. Some Sundays, a little lower. But I'm just one person. And I can't recognize everybody's needs every service that we have. But if we were in a small group, I could recognize some needs. I can see someone's hurting. I can see that someone is in need of something. Our small group leaders, Gavin Page, you all are small group leaders. You're going to be able to recognize needs that sit within your small group. And then, hey, pastor, we got a need over here. Somebody's been going through something. We need to pray for them. Or if there's any way we could help them out, they need a house. They need an apartment. They need some furniture. They need... This is a way for us to recognize needs. Relationships that are formed within small groups form a strong fabric within the church. Relationships that are formed outside sometimes artificial setting of church, they're relationships that they're going to endure and strengthen over time. We all have relations. We know everybody in here in this room. A lot of us, we, we connect and everything, but, but do we really connect? This is where we can do this in small groups. The second reason that they're important is they provide a comfortable introduction for non-believers to the Christian faith. Derek and Rachel, I remember meeting you at birthday parties. I remember going to birthday parties and, and meeting the both of you. I, and uh, I, I think maybe we even saw at a graduation party or something that Paige and Gavin set up. That's how we met. We didn't meet the first time when you came to church. And it was a couple years of us, of, of us knowing each other. And, and a, about a year or so for, for Derek and I, we knew each other before you were comfortable coming into the, And I'm not trying to air y'all's business. But, but, but that's just how it is sometimes. I talked to someone yesterday and they said, I really want to come to church, but I'm scared to come to church. And I said, well, why are you scared? And I said, I'm going to be there. You don't have to be scared. And, uh, and they said, what's that? Maybe that's why they said, you're going to be there. I'm scared. I, I said, what, what, are you, what are you scared to come to our church for? They said, well, you're apostolic Pentecostal, right? I said, yeah. They said, you do that whole speaking in tongues thing. I said, we believe in that. Yeah, that just scares me. And they have every right to feel that way. Until we teach about it, until we learn about what the Bible teaches us about speaking in another language or speaking, what is baptism, what is this? Y'all, you mean you take people and you push them right under the water? Well, not forcefully. We don't like just grab them when they come in and throw them in the tank. And No, it's something that you willingly do. It's a commitment that you make. 
But I understood where she was coming from. She said, I'm just not really sure. And, and I said, well, well, we're getting ready to do small groups. What do you think about coming to a small group? Getting to know some of the people in our church before you step in. And they committed. They committed to come to our small group. It may be six months before they step in, in the door. It may be a year before they step in here. But they're committed and they're going to be connected. And that's what's important. I, I'm really skeptical that inviting people to church is the best means of evangelism. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of that because a lot of people fear coming into a building that they don't know. And so it provides a comfortable introduction. Small groups provide an ideal way to care for the needs of people within the church. When one believer in a small group is struggling financially, emotionally, spiritually, socially, it's easier for the members of the group to notice and provide help. And a lot of times it's less embarrassing for that person too. The structure of a small group is essentially a community of believing friends. Friends should help one another, especially Christian friends. We should help one another. Small groups, this is the fourth reason they're important. They provide a way for Christians to live out their faith instead of merely hearing more preaching or teaching. If Sunday morning is for listening, the rest of the week is for living. Whether it's discussing the, sum, the Sunday sermon or, or talking about a spiritual battle that you may be feeling or you maybe think that you're having... Simply praying for one another. Small groups create the context for Christians to live out their faith in real life. Number five, small groups participate in focused prayer for one another. Prayer cannot be overrated. Prayer works. I, I can testify that prayer works. And just a small little thing there, I'll tell you. I forget what day it was, but one of these mornings we had crazy snow. And I, I text our prayer group and I said, hey, just... If you could, pray for all of our bus drivers this morning. It hasn't been a great year for Dwajak bus drivers. We need, we need protection. We need other drivers to be careful. And so, so I, I sent this into the group and, and the group prayed for, for all the drivers who were driving that morning to work and student drivers and everything. And later that afternoon, I was driving down kind of a back road and I had my bus. I was going well below the speed limit because the road was covered in snow and there was a plow truck. Uh, a, a pickup truck that was doing a driveway and he came flying out of a driveway right in front of me. I had no time to break. I had no time and had it not been what I believe was the hand of the Lord that kind of moved me right around that truck. I went off the road but went right back up on the road in a bus full of kids. Had that not happened, I would have T-boned that truck driver. And I was in my bus and I don't know if you've ever been hit by a bus. I haven't, but I imagine it would hurt. But I believe God had his hand of protection upon me at that time. We prayed for safety that morning and God provided safety. It provides focused prayer. Small groups make for a great prayer meeting. And if you're not comfortable with praying out loud, that's okay. That's all right. Through small groups, you'll begin to feel that comfort begin to grow up a little bit through there. Small groups, number six, provide a comfortable atmosphere for openness. It's a great place for, you know what, you may not want to just tell the whole church your business, but you've created a community with people. This is a group that you should be able to trust. Remember, we're not going to gossip in this group. What we talk about here, we're going to keep here. If we feel pastor needs to know, we're going to call pastor, we're going to call, uh, we're going to call Sister Stephanie, we're going to get together and we're, we're going to help figure out what you need. But the New Testament talks about the believers meeting in homes, not just in Acts, but in Romans, in 1 Corinthians and in Philemon. They were comfortable places. They were places that were, were not there with the lights and with the microphones and with pews and, and with a lot of people. But it was a place where people could open up, an easier place to listen, 
to learn and to grow. Number seven, small groups allow for mutual edification among believers. This is where we can lift each other up. Number eight, small groups encourage better learning. When we're here, we can answer questions. Hey, pastor, you said something last week in your sermon. I have a question about that. Let's get right into it. Let's get right to it. And we can flip right to scripture, wherever it may be. We can jump on our phone if, if we don't know the answer and we can find something to help us, send us in the right direction. It's a better way for learning. Number nine, small groups provide a source of encouragement and accountability. If you look around this room today, I can look around and I can see faces of people that have been here that are not here. And I can only reach out to so many people and think about, you know, who was there, who wasn't there. And, and there's people that I may miss that weren't at church today. But I can look around and try to picture where people are and send them a text. Hey, we're missing you. You, you need to be at church. We're missing you. We're praying for you. We love you. Small group is a, is a great way to be accountable to one another. Just as you are accountable in your marriage to your spouse, we need to be accountable to one another in the church. This is how we grow. And number 10, the, the, the reason, my final reason that I believe small groups are so great and important is that they help cultivate leadership within the church. What I would love to see through our small groups, we have, and actually a new small group uh, was created this morning. So last week when you filled out your cards, some of you didn't fill out your cards, I hope you'll fill them out today. We had five uh, areas. We had our senior citizens, uh, and that's going to be with Brother Terry and Sister Dorinda. They're going to be our small groups for our seniors. We thank them for that. We have our young adults, so one end to the other. Our young adults with Paige and Gavin. Thank you all for, for leading that. We have a small group that's going to meet here at the church. Brother Kyle is going to lead that group. Thank you, Brother Kyle. We have a group uh, that is able, if you live out in the Twin Lakes or if you live in Cass, Brother Jeff and Sister Kathy Wisniewski are going to lead that small group. And then my wife and I are going to lead a small group here in town. This morning, we have another small group that opened up not even in the city. We're opening a small group in Niles. Sister Connie's going to have a small group in her home in Niles. Thank you, Sister Connie, for having a small group. So if you live down by Niles... You have a small group in Niles. You won't have to travel to Dwajak. How many did I say? Oh, the marriage counseling and all that? Yeah, yeah. Those, those, are, those are really small groups, and those are by appointment only. So we're going to have these small groups. And, and, and what my goal is, and what, what I think our church goal should be, and this is what I believe that God has given us, is that at the end of, of, of six months, we are going to be able to take each of these small groups and double them. I believe that there's going to be somebody in each small group that's going to say, hey, you know what? I'm ready to start a small group. And I have a group of people that are ready to start a small group with me. That's the goal. That's how we're going to, to cultivate the leadership. And, and, and somebody's got to lead a small group. Somebody has to lead a small group or, or at least facilitate the discussion. And, and, and if you'll give me about maybe 12 more minutes and we'll wrap up today. I know this has been a little bit different. But if you'll give me about 12 minutes, let's do our first small group session for this year or for this month. This small group that we're going to be doing, and I'm going to show you, so for all of our small group leaders, uh, I need to see you after church in my office, we're going to talk about this. But I'm going to show you, this is what small group is going to be. We are going to be talking about, I am a disciple. Do we have that, Brother Aaron? I am a disciple with Pastor L.J. Harry. Well... Pastor, he just resigned his church. He moved to St. Louis, Missouri, 
to work for our uh, World Evangelism Center for the United Pentecostal Church. Um, but he's going to be preaching here at the end of this month, and, and we're going to be seeing some of his. And so this is, this is a nine-minute, about an eight-and-a-half to nine-minute video with, with LJ. Um, and he's going to just talk to us about discipleship. Now, I'll tell you, he talks a little quick, and he's got some, some, just some fun things that he puts together. So you've got you to pay attention. But let's go to our first uh, small group. I am a disciple. Go ahead, Brother Aaron. It was just another day, another denarius. Simon and Andrew were down to the dock, hoping more fish would bring in more cash. They were brothers and business partners, but by sunset that day, their lives and livelihoods would change. They heard an unfamiliar yet friendly voice. They looked up to see an unfamiliar yet friendly face. He wasn't one of their regular customers, wasn't one of their net vendors, so who was he? And why were they so amazed by him? Before they spoke, he spoke, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, these guys were already fishers of fish. Fish feared them. There were classes in fish school to teach younger fish to swim away when they saw Simon's logo. But they had never fished for people. They didn't even know how to fish for people. They could shrug him off. Fish for people? We fish for fish. This guy's been in the sun too long. But they didn't. Rather, they dropped their nets, they left their fishing for fish business, and they followed Jesus, a man they had just met. And we think, well, of course they followed Jesus. He turned water to wine and funerals into family reunions, but not by then. By then, he hadn't healed one lame limb. Now, he did make some of the finest cabinets this side of the Sea of Galilee, but all anyone really knew was Jesus was a really good carpenter from Nazareth. But he lined up just like everyone else to be baptized by John in the Jordan. But when John saw him, he saw him. Andrew was there. He had never seen John react to anyone like that. John stood knee-deep in the muddy Jordan. He fell to his knees. He pointed his finger and he proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Andrew saw fire in John's eyes and was sure of one thing. John was sure this man wasn't just a man, a carpenter, a preacher, even a rabbi. This man was Messiah. Simon and Andrew left it all to follow him. And Simon left a lot. There was a Mrs. Simon. Simon was married, but we don't know if he and she had any children. He did own his own home, his fishing boat, possibly the fishing business. Simon came from a small village called Bethsaida, but he moved to the big city of Capernaum, where the fish were biting and people were buying. Simon was just fine financially before he followed Jesus. But God was calling him to something higher than just making money. God was calling Simon to discipleship. Following Jesus is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not even a get-rich-slow scheme. We don't follow for a bigger house or newer car or nicer clothes or pay raise or the promotion to the corner office with the upfront parking space. Simon followed Jesus because he believed he was who he said he was. And we follow for the same reasons. We follow Jesus because we believe he is who he says he is. He is the Christ. Jesus rounded up 12 ordinary men to be his disciples in an intense three-year mobile Bible school. Jesus has called us to follow him, but he's not commanded us to quit our jobs, drop out of school and huddle at the church while we wait for him to come back. We keep working and learning and living, but while we work and learn and live, we follow. We hear his words, we see his works, which is one of the perks of discipleship. We get to see and hear what others do not. 
Simon followed Jesus for three years. His buddies, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all recorded what Simon heard and saw. He heard Jesus teach, love your enemies. Nobody was teaching that message. He heard Jesus teach we need to forgive those who wrong us again and again and again and again and again and again and again, up to 70 times seven times every day. He watched Jesus heal a blind man. Then he watched a blind man watch a butterfly for the first time. Simon was in the boat on the sea in the middle of Hurricane Hezekiah. They were being tossed around like a salad, and Simon ran to Jesus to wake him up. Then he watched with his jaw on the flooded floor of the boat as Jesus woke up, stood up, spoke up, and said, Peace, be still, and the wind and waves calmed down. Simon tried that before. It never worked for him. This man was not just a man. The wind and waves obey him. Simon was in another boat another time. The waves played the rinse cycle, but this time was not like that last time. This time Jesus wasn't in the boat. He was watching from the shore. This time Jesus didn't just speak to the waves. He walked on them. Nobody had tried that before until Jesus. This man was not just a man. He wasn't even just Moses 2.0. The one who created the waves just walked on them. Simon had front row seats to see it all. Demons fled. Nature obeyed. Sickness apologized. Even death knelt and released its grisly grip when Jesus spoke. And Simon saw it all because Simon was a follower. But Simon was an ordinary man. One writer wrote, Simon was the disciple with a foot-shaped mouth. If you speak before you think, you and Simon are in good company. You could swap stories, which is good news for us ordinary folk. You don't have to be extraordinary to follow Jesus. If you can't speak fluent Greek and play the dulcimer and sing the Psalms in Hebrew, well, then neither can I and neither can my Facebook friends. But Jesus has still called ordinary people like us to follow him. Simon walked and talked with Jesus as he followed. Don't we do the same? Every day we have a divine invitation to walk with Jesus to talk with him, to listen to him. If you don't already pray, pray each day. Prayer is conversation with Jesus. He's not grading us to see how many Father Gods we can cram inside one prayer. He wants relationship with us. Following Jesus is not always about saying the right words. It is about building relationships. So spend time with Jesus like Simon did. But we are blessed. We have something Simon didn't have. We have the Bible. Simon had Jesus on location, but he needed a magnificent memory to remember everything Jesus taught. We just need to remember where we left our Bible. And if it's on our phone, well, then Google and Siri will remind us exactly where we left that. The Bible we hold in our hands and hide in our hearts is the Word of God. So when we read the Bible, we see and hear Jesus. But it can be daunting to open the Bible and discover 66 books inside the good book, all begging to be read. Where do you start? How many chapters do you read? What version do we read? We have more versions than Duncan has donuts. If you're just starting out, follow a Bible reading program. Children's Ministries and God's Word for Life both publish charts with checkboxes to keep you on track, or you can try an app on your phone or tablet. And while you're reading, be sure to take notes and write them down or type up your questions. The goal is not to read the Bible in record time. It is to build relationship with God through His Word. So when you have questions, stop and study. Ask a pastor, ask a teacher, Sometimes read the same verses in another version. It'll help you make sense of those verses. Read in a version you can understand and your pastor recommends. And if you do read on your phone, be sure to set your phone to do not disturb or vibrate so you can read the Bible without being tempted to read all those text messages. Simon joined 11 others as they walked from city to city because following Jesus is best done in community. That's one reason God gave us his church. His church may not be perfect because we're in it. 
but his church is the perfect community to follow him and build relationship with him. Simon followed Jesus for three years. Jesus could do no wrong. Simon was ready to crown him king, even put the crown on his head himself. But one cold night at the end of those three years, Simon found himself separated from Jesus as he learned a hard lesson about discipleship. Sometimes we fall as we follow. Chances are you've already learned the same. So what do we do when we fall? Join me for the next segment of I Am a Disciple to hear that story. I love LJ. He's, he's great. And you know, you know, one of the things that makes me sick about LJ is it takes me an hour to say what he can say in eight minutes. That just gets on my nerves, man. Eric's like that. Eric can get up here and preach a sermon in 12 minutes and take me 45 minutes to say. But this is, this is what we're going to be doing. And so in each of our sessions, we'll have this video that'll, that'll play. Each week we have four sessions. And, uh, and, and some of them that may not be a video, may not have the capability to play the video, but we have the, the transcripts that, that they can go through. But then we have some questions to just go through. You know, what does it mean to be a follower? Gavin, let me throw you on the spot. What does it mean to, for you to be a follower? Yeah, it's something to think about, isn't it? It's a small group. It's something to think about. What might cause someone... To become a follower what is it think about rachel and derek what was it your kids your family how do christians become followers on a daily basis what do we do what can we do on a daily basis to be a better follower of christ how are followers of jesus christ different from other types of followers you see relationship is the foundation on which followers walk just as it is, it is foolhardy to indulge in one-sided following relationships through news and through social media, it would be unwise to go through the motions of following Jesus Christ without seeking a relationship with Him. I'm thankful that I don't know the weatherman personally. Because there are some days that I would say, you know, I think our friendship would be over today. You told me it was going to be sunshine and warm and it's cold and rainy. Or days like, I'm thankful today the weatherman was wrong. He said we were going to have a lot of snow and it was going to be, be ice everywhere. But you know, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> yeah. Relationship is what we need with Jesus Christ. And some of us, maybe we don't need community to do it. But according to the word of God, we need each other. We cannot live alone. We need to be together. And so this is why we are doing small groups. And I truly believe, I believe, Lighthouse, that from the bottom of my heart, that this is where you're going to see numerical growth within our church. This is where we are going to see it. If you want to see revival for a church, this is where we're going to see it. Building up one another, bringing in our community. I am thrilled. I'm not bragging about this. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I'm so thrilled about this that already I have five people committed to come to, a, to our small group that have never stepped foot in the doors of this church. And I don't know if they ever will, but they've committed to come and to follow. And this is what we're going to be teaching, discipleship. Every one of us is a disciple. We are a disciple. And so I pray that if you last week, Lighthouse, if you didn't have a chance to sign up for a small group, I pray that you will 
you will sign up today. There's cards at the information table that you can get. And, uh, and Niles is not on that card because that was created right before church. Um, if you are in Niles or you're in the area of Niles and that's the small group you want to go to with Sister Connie, just write on there, Niles. And uh, if there's a couple of groups on there that you, you're interested in, that's fine too. If you're a senior citizen and you want to go with, uh, with Brother Terry and Sister Dorinda, but you also want to be here on Wednesday nights, that's okay. You can be a part of, of a couple of small groups. Um, but we, what we want to do is just build our community. I can't stress it enough. I'm going to start talking in circles. So we're just going to go ahead and we're going to end. We're going to pray. We're going to pray that God will speak to us in these small groups and that God will show us what we need to do and God will continue direct, to direct us. Let's stand today. <laughs> yeah, so you'll have to stretch sometimes maybe. And then after devotion, we're going to fellowship. We're going we're to play games or we're going to eat. And nobody touch these donuts. Y'all are welcome to them if you want. They're good donuts. Those are fresh this morning. You, you had some already? All right. Small. Thank you for this day. I know this was not a normal Sunday, but, but what about you? God is normal. I don't know if we've ever just had a normal service. You are the God of interruptions, and I believe that this week you interrupted us for a, a purpose that may be beyond our, our vision of what we see, but you see it. You have laid it out, and I believe that this is what you have called us to move into. This is our evangelism now for Lighthouse Church. I pray that everyone in here under the sound of my voice will, will feel the urgency and and they'll feel in their heart to be connected into a small group. We need one another. I can't walk through this life alone. My family can't walk through this life alone. We need one another. And I can't just need you on a Sunday. I don't need people just one day a week, but I need people every day of my life to help encourage me, to help lift me up, to pray for me. And I know someone needs me. And so, Lord, I'm praying today that you would direct us to those people who need us. And you'll direct our minds and our hearts to follow after you. You are the creator of all things. And as LJ said, Simon tried to, to do some things. He tried to, to stop winds and tried to stop waves. But the moment that you spoke, everything became peaceful. When things are going on in our lives, when waves of life are crashing into us, I pray that we understand that all we have to say is Jesus, and you can calm those waves. I ask you, Lord, to go with us as we leave this place today. If there's someone here today that doesn't know you, I pray that, I pray that they'll open their heart to you, and they'll open the relationship with you. Lord, I pray if there's someone here that's never made a decision to be baptized, I pray that they would find in their hearts the need to wash away the old, the old man, as you said, and create a new life. 
I thank you today for your love. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for every person that is in this place today and watching us on live stream. I thank you for the community of the Lighthouse. Thank you for the family that you've blessed us with. We give you all the praise today and all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you haven't got a small group uh, listed yet, please fill out a card and you can